That was really weird. Well, DQ just put a bottle down on my island. Yeah. And it was like moving for a good 10 seconds. Yeah, so I'm here again. Oh, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, 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 And my sister Caitlin is in the background making herself a pizza and tormenting the dog. Hopefully convinced the dog is actually terrified. He just behaved because they give him food. Are we just going to stand there awkwardly the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Alright then. been an interesting week. I'm still homeless. As I have told several people today, including my father, who just laughed at me. Like dad should. I thought he'd be a little bit more understanding about this whole thing. But I feel like he had to crack a joke because I feel like he's meant to understand. Well, yeah. Oh my god, but I mean, what did you do? She pushed him off the side of When DQ got here, he was sitting in my lap here at the island, and I was finishing my notes, and he knocks on the door, so of course Killer goes bananas, and he launches himself from the chair at the end of the island towards the hallway to the door, but he landed, like he went from here all the way to like where the hallway starts but when he landed he his like foot went underneath him and i thought he hurt himself so like i let out a scream but then he just shot up and like ran to the door and i was like okay well i can't let dq in until i get him under control so then i was like standing there trying to catch him at the door just to like let him in the house so he's had an an interesting day he also watched me break into my mother's house because I don't have a key and Caitlin forgot to give me her key and I really had to use the bathroom. So I couldn't wait for Caitlin to get here to give me the key. So I crawled in through a window. The irony is Caitlin was trying to hurry up and then she had to pee from where she was at. So I'm like, huh, no, it's in a trend here. Mm-hmm. I do too. And also, Notice. it's not my fault. I have a bladder condition. Notice Another trendy. Which is what I told the person who looked at me all judgmental yesterday during the funeral. Oh, by the way, I went to a fourth funeral. We had Jordans. This Jordan's a ghost. But we lost a fourth person. Like I said, it's been an interesting week. number four. Who's next? Don't say that. Nobody is next. Oh, my God. Um, But no... I got, okay, you guys drilling. Like, I was sitting there, and then all of a sudden it hit me, and I was like, oh, my God, I have to pee. And I tried to hold it. But this person, okay, I love Frankie to death. I love him to death. Uh, pun not intended. Oh, my God. But he's just this happy, jovial person. Like, he's had cancer for years, and I didn't even know until around when uh, his daughter got married. And he never let that get him down. Like, he was never, like, sad or, like, down and out about it. He just kind of, like, dealt with it. And he was a very religious person. This man, at his funeral, had three full sermons from three different preachers. His funeral was an hour and a half long. And I made it 45 minutes in. And I was like, I have to pee. 
I can't hold it anymore. Well, and I tried to hold it. Was that a hiccup? Okay. Well, I can't edit that out, so that'll be funny for people to hear in the background. But the I make it. Household ladies <laughs> I get we get forty five minutes in, and I'm like doing the pee pee dance in the in the seat, and I'm like I can't hold it. And they had it at a church. It wasn't even at a funeral home. It was at uh, it was at the Cowboy Church in Carthage, the Stillwaters. Yeah. Um. And then, and there was three different preachers, and each of them gave, like, a sermon, a 20-minute long sermon. And I ended up, I couldn't hold it anymore. And I was in the middle of the, the row that we were in, so I got up, and I went to the bathroom. And I came back out, and I just sat in the back, because I didn't want to try to, like, make my way around. Because I got up during a song, so between one of the two sermons, and when I came out... The second, or the last sermon had started, and so I didn't want to, like, interrupt anybody by trying to, like, get back to my seat. So I just sat in the back. And this lady turns around and just looks at me when I sit down behind her with the most judgmental face. And I was like, I have a bladder condition. I literally couldn't hold it anymore. And she just kind of, like shrugged and turned back around and I was like ma'am we are at a funeral funeral and I understand that the man's funeral that we are at would want us to celebrate his life and his achievements and the fact that he loved Jesus and this funeral is very much exact going the exact way he wants it because you are not going to leave this funeral without knowing how much he loved Jesus. <laughs> you, we got three full sermons. There was a complete invitational at the end. This was a full Sunday's worth of church in a funeral on a Saturday. Do not judge me for getting up to pee. 45 minutes in. Understand, I'm not pregnant. And I'm not old. But I have a bladder condition. I was so upset, man. And I was just like, man, there's always that one petty person. Well, at least Jordan. Yeah, normally it is. But I wasn't judging individual people. Like, if you gotta pee, you gotta pee. I agree. So, yeah. I didn't go to the graveside either. I went to McDonald's. <laughs> I was hungry and I wanted a double cheeseburger. I also fell in the shower that morning getting ready for said funeral. Yes. And I mean, I'm sitting there, because I, I start the same the day the same way. Alarm goes off. It lets me know. Tell Jordan to take our medicine. And I don't even tell her when it goes off. I wait about a good 30 or so odd minutes. Texted her. Tell her to be great. Make sure she takes her medicine. And she texts me. Not going to happen. Fell in the shower. And I'm just like, what? And I'm he was like, like, but you can recover. And I'm like, no, no, no. My head is not going to recover. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, I looked over and I said, like, man, I've been awake for like 15 minutes at this point. I'm just like, how? I was like, how? What? I'm like, I was like, I'm not even there. And I feel stressed out because Jordan fell in the shower and I'm just like. I wasn't even like doing anything. I mean, like I was standing in the shower. Both of my feet were on the floor. 
and I like went to bend down to pick up a ra- like my razor was on the bottom of the floor, like mm-hmm. on the bottom of the shower, and I guess like I just stepped or moved my foot ever so slightly and my feet it was like I stepped on a banana peel it was like my both my feet just went right out from underneath me and so then like my legs were sticking straight up but I hit the back of my head on the glass part of the shower because it's a standing shower and then I like tried to roll over and get up fell again and at some point I knocked over the like dog shampoo and like another shampoo bottle that was on the like the side of the bottom and so I slipped again trying to get up shoved the the door open got it she never told me that part and I like thought I broke the door because it was like off track and I couldn't get it closed and I was so disoriented I like couldn't even figure out what happened but I remember trying to get up and I fell again and then I like pulled the door closed And it didn't occur to me that I might have gotten it off track or messed up the door until I got it closed and it made a really weird sound. And then, like, I couldn't get it open. (laughs) So, but then, like, I was covered in dog shampoo and this other shampoo that my sister left in the shower. And I broke the bottle that that the people shampoo was in. And so I just sat at the bottom of the shower, like, trying to figure out what the heck just happened. And so then I had to, like, finish my shower. And then, like, I turned the water off and then couldn't get out of the shower. And so, like, I had to wrestle the door and, like, get it back on track. It was a very interesting weekend. Because <laughs> then we had, like, a slumber party at my memo's house with just my four sisters and I. That was an interesting night. And I was supposed to go to Longview after the, the funeral, but my head is still pounding, so that did not happen. <laughs> I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So Jordan's having the morning of her life right then and there. And I'm sitting in this hotel room with my dad, and I'm like sitting there reading the text message. And I like look over; he's been awake, and he's like playing on his phone. And I'm just like, and I go back to what I was doing because it was like not even worth mentioning like what just happened. And I like, and like I told everybody, I only knew the part where it's like she said she fell. I didn't know all this extra. I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> which is perfectly fine. But I'm just like, what in the world? And also, the reason I'm going, I went on this trip was because my birthday was as of this recording. My birthday was a, I was like the like the passing Wednesday. Oh, know? also yes. So his birthday was as of this recording. Wednesday. It was Wednesday, and we're recording on Sunday, and. My mom's birthday was Thursday. Literally the next day. Yeah, so the next day. And so he's sitting in the happy birthday chair, which is a chair at the end of the island that has a happy birthday balloon tied to it. I just thought that they should know about that. You can continue with your yeah. story. Well, no, that's fine. I was just like, it's kind of ironic. And so, like, I also called Mama Anderson and let her know, like, happy birthday. I'm that extra. And... But anyway, so we're like, I'm like, so my dad, I asked my dad, like, way back, can we go, like, to an Arkansas game? Because the coaches were like, I'll give you all for basketball if you go. Because they're like, I've never seen a fan like you, never been to a game. And I was like, you know, Fayetteville's kind of far. So, yes, Fayetteville is five hours and 17 minutes from my apartment. I was like, all right, bought tickets. All of a sudden, headed up there. I drove, like, the middle stretch. Dad drove the beginning. And the end, because he kind of knows Arkansas, you know, that's where he's from. And he got the hotel room, because I bought the tickets for a little hefty price, but not too bad. 
we get to the stadium, guys. Like the next day, because you know we actually hold up. We went to Walmart first, because Dad was like, "Oh, I ain't got my Razorback. I ain't got a Razorback shirt." And I'm like, "What?" So we go into Walmart to find the Razorback shirt, because we know there's going to be like a whole section. Before that, we found like some like sweat, like some like some sweatsuits that look a one great from Reebok. You know, Reebok's a thing. Is that what you sent me a Snapchat of? Actually. Yes, but there was one that was pink that was there, and I was like, Jordan would like this. And I looked, and I was like, but Jordan would probably get upset if I bought this. So I was like, I let it be. Um, I'd have just sent you money. Wouldn't have taken it. It's fine. But anyway, so then we go to the stadium. It's great. We're having a good time. It's a heck of a walk because like we're walking downhill. People are tailgating. And there's this there's this lineup like with the band like where the band pops up and all the football players are gonna walk through, sitting there and we're watching everybody slowly come up. The band's doing their thing, Big Red, which is like the nickname for the Arkansas like mascot, pops up, and he switches like the instruments to some of the band members around and they just play like normal. I'm like, this is actually kind of hilarious. Kids are getting in on the action. Parents are trying to make sure their kids get in the action. I'm just like. And soaking in the experience. Then the players walk by, and I'm like, good God, some of these guys are huge. We go into, like, the gate to get our tickets. We got where I had our tickets and everything. I was get in there, sit down. I look over. There's 90 minutes the game starts. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Look down, everybody's warming up. I was like, actually, this is kind of cool seeing them all warm up. Because I look up, and it's like 30 minutes have gone by, 45 minutes have gone by. And I'm like... Then here comes like Arkansas's like stud receiver pops and I'm telling my dad about him because dad hasn't got to watch too many of the games. He's a, he's a, he kind of a big kid and then I look over I'm like this dude's huge. I'm like I didn't realize how big he was on t- like on TV he looks big but like in person it's just like oh. So like we get to enjoy the game. Some interesting people get around us. We have the two people that sit in front of us, two young ladies sit in front of us that are like both married. The Couple that sit on our left that definitely got plastered and left like before Thurkle was up. The people behind us that were like high five and one accidentally kicked me by accident when there was like a um when some stuff happened in one of the plays. We she kicked by- you by accident. Well, she had these little fur So like I had she because so, the thing is I stood up so she put her feet like where I was sitting, and then like and she because I stood up for so long and then I sat down that she kind of just. Didn't move her feet over, so it ended up happening. Is, is the pizza good? <laughs> so we're going to give it to the dog? <laughs> Mama was right. You do give him people food. Enjoy your not good pizza. I'm sorry. It's okay. Clean out the freezer and I'll buy good pizza. Don't you do that? Oh, that's how a game works. Weak. Anyway, so then, you know, game starts. It gets, like, intense because, like, Arkansas is doing some good things. They're playing Mississippi State. Well, I've seen play twice, which is kind of ironic because I've seen Mississippi State play twice, but I've only seen Arkansas play once. But uh, also Mississippi State was in Texas last year, and it was, they just happened to be at the bowl game I was at. Um, all of a sudden, like, it started getting intense. I mean, getting in on the chance and everything else. People show up on dance cam. And you see this little, this little, this little girl. She gets after him, one of the dance camps, and like just like does like does all these like crazy little dance moves. And whatever. I was like, oh my goodness. 
So the game's going on. It gets to the point where like they're all talking and everything else. Like the ladies, they've had a couple. They've had a couple drinks. I've watched this person get the same drink over and over and over. And she always gets them in pairs. She always gets them in twos. So she got some in the first quarter. Waited second quarter. She got some. Third quarter she had some. In the fourth quarter she kind of like was finishing it off. And she's like, she turns back and looks at me and my dad. She's like, all right, what do you think? It's like, do you think we're gonna pull it off? And I'm just sitting there, I'm like. We should be able to. She's like, all right, okay, good. As long as we're positive. But I was like, well, good. That's why I'm here at the game. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, what do you think the final scores would be? And I said it'd be 30 to 28. Um, Arkansas scored at the very end, which they did. They scored. And then Mississippi State's moved the ball downfield. They line up to go for the uh, field goal because it actually ends up as 31 28. They're going to go in overtime. Kicker kicks. It goes wide left. And Arkansas wins. And I mean, this place erupted. I'm, like, yelling all over the place to the point where it's, like, me and my dad were leaving. I can't talk because you can't hear my voice because I yelled so much towards the end of the game. And it's just, like, nothing beat the experience of, like, being in an Arkansas game. Then your boy had to, we had to walk back to the car. <laughs> and, we, you know, I said we went downhill the entire time. That was a heck of a steep climb. And dad was like, can you imagine going to school here and you had to walk down there? He said, you got to find one of your boys that lives in one of the dorms. The other dorm tell them, hey, hey, I just came to the game. Like, I, had, I got class tomorrow. I'm not I'm not walking back up this hill. It's like, hey, I'll stay with you for a little bit. The hill to uh, UA was pretty steep. Yeah, nah, this, this, this. And Ornelas. Yeah, I know, but this, this, this hill has, it's, it makes those two kick rocks. It was rough, but we got to. You didn't have to run up and down those hills. Didn't no one tell you to live there? Oh. Um, I wasn't living there. It was during. Athletics. Oh, uh, well, not athletics for LEAA. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, well, Triton mm-hmm. did it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an injury. I was too busy throwing people in the air. Look, 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 look. And I tried, I tried to get Jordan to do track. She was like, eh. I hate running. She done pulled And died? No one has ever died at ETBU doing pole walk. I'd have been the first. Never that. But anyway. You did not just hear me tell a story about how I was literally standing on two feet in the shower and well, almost died. Well, look, look, look. There's, there's a lot of things here. It's a slippery slope. And you know what? I'm We're going to argue about this for like five minutes. There's no point. Just move on. Finish telling your story. All right. So then on the way back, me and my dad were like, man. Ooh, sound really kind of nice right about now. But we had to get out. We had to get out of Fayetteville because we were definitely not gonna get food in Fayetteville because we were not got out of Fayetteville. So then eventually we go get our food. We have to take over and drive. And I was hoping we got we would stop at a gas station while we're in Arkansas. I mean, while we're well, before we switch over, so I get like any drink. So I'm driving like the middle stretch, and I'm exhausted. But then all of a sudden, Dad goes to sleep, and I thought, I was like, how in the world do you go to sleep on the way back? And I didn't go to sleep on the way up here. And I guarantee you, I'm not going to go to sleep on the way back when you take back over. So then, all of a sudden, finally, we go to a gas station. And he's like, all right, it's time for us to switch. So we do. And it's like, all right, we're fine. We drive a little bit further. He's like, I kind of want Dr. Pepper. And so he does. He goes to another gas station, Dr. Pepper. And it's like, I walk in first. I'm like, I went to get um, some snack stuff because I know I was going to need it. And then also I hear him talking to somebody. I'm like, we've been in Arkansas for basically 24 hours. I hadn't seen nobody. On the way back, it's 1 a.m. This man found someone he went to school with, some other person he knew. And then we walk outside, and then there's more people. And I'm like, 
It's 1 a.m. What are all these people doing out? Thinking they can ask us the same question. But I was just like, what are the odds? I'm like, Dad, you know too many people. And then, you know, I got so literally back. literally what I tell my mom anytime we go anywhere. Exactly. And so I'm like that with my dad. So then, like, at this point, I'm kind of trying to rush home because I told Jordan, it's like, yeah, we're hanging out Sunday. Which we were going to hang out anyway. But it was just like, you know, making sure I'm actually here so we can hang out. And I got home, and it's even funnier because I got home and I didn't even like go to bed. I like I cut the game on and I started playing my game because I just couldn't go to bed because like I think the energy drink kind of kicked in there for a little bit. And then I was like, all right, bet, play the game. And then I was like, let me go to sleep. Now I'm exhausted. Woke up, watched the Cowboys struggle, watched a lot of weird football, and then I was like, all right. And who did the Cowboys struggle against? I don't know some like backwater team. Uh uh-uh. uh, who was it? <laughs> It was the Denver Broncos who just traded with their best player, which makes it even weirder. Yeah, I'm not very happy with some decisions that were made, but Dallas has not beat Denver. In the last six times they have played. Six times? The last, it's the last six times they've played. So they have, they play they played every four years. They haven't beat them since 1995. Was, yeah, six times. But I was about to be like, it's been a long time. AK, I was born and then they, I was born, they beat them and then they haven't beat them since then. So AK, either I was the solution and they're not realizing it or I'm the problem. Because well, they used to play on Thanksgiving Day. The Denver and Dallas. Yeah. But hey, things change. The NFL does their own thing. But yeah, no. Now it's the Cowboys and the Redskins. Yeah. Or, my bad, the Washington football team. I mean, they, ain't got no, they ain't got no name now. Oh, that's right. I love that for them. I'm going to hit you with some trivia here. The Cowboys always play on Thanksgiving. Who's the other NFL team that always plays on Thanksgiving? And no one would ever think it'd be this team. I don't know. Because I've never watched anybody other than the Cowboys or Denver. It's the Detroit Lions. Okay. I can but, see it. Yeah. But no, it's weird because it's like that's the one. Like they Outside the 90s, the Lions have like, in the little bit, late 80s, the Lions, the Lions have never been relevant. And they always play on Thanksgiving. So then, so yeah, so then that happened, and I was like, I'm going to take, and then Jordan's like, all right, I'm running a little behind, can we get lunch at one thirty? And I was like, all right, it's fine. I was going to take a nap until Jordan got home anyway. And then all of a sudden, I'm like laying there, and I'm like, you know, I lied, I'm not taking a nap. Let me just run the game until Jordan gets home. And she's like, all right, well, I got to hurry up and clean. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Y'all, listen. I'm going to get so much crap for this, but okay. So I had to go to Dallas last week. Well, one, because I bought tickets to a podcast live show in Addison, which is first sinisterhood. If you guys don't listen to that podcast, you really should because Heather and, oh my gosh, Christy, Heather and Christy, they are hilarious. They're improv comedians. So already they're funny. Really? Killer doesn't think so. Whatever, Killer. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, They're super funny. And so we went to their live show. Uh, Me and my soon-to-be roommate, Thea, did. But I had to go to Dallas to kind of deal with some work things and deal with some housing things and do some tours and uh, talk to a loan officer and all that jazz. Um, I was gone for a day and a half. Well, because I had gone down Friday night for, because I had an infusion in North Richland Hills 
Saturday morning and then had a Halloween party. But then I came back Sunday because my family does a Halloween thing. So I had to be here for that. And then I had to get back that next Monday after work to because I had appointments and stuff. I had to deal with like bank things and like loan, whatever. I was gone and I cleaned Monday before I left. I was gone for a day and a half and I got back. House was a disaster. I'm a fault. Well, no, it's not your fault. But I was just like, guys, how many dishes can you generate in literally a day and a half when two of y'all work all day and there's only one person here during the day if you don't count the dog? And there was just, like, trash and, like, the sink was full. And I'm just like, goodness, guys, can you do you not know what a trash can is? And then, like, all the plants were, like, half dead. So I was trying to save the plants. And it was just, it was funny. But then there was a lot of other stuff going on this week. Like I said, we had a death in the family. So there was a viewing we had to go to. And there's some, like, I have a wedding next weekend, so there was, like, wedding things that I had to take oh, care of. Speaking of that, are you the plus one or do you need a plus one? I have asked the question three times and still have not gotten an answer, so I'm still working on it. Because they were, that's where my mom is right now. She's at the bachelorette party. Okay. And so, like, no, they were home by 10 o'clock. Oh, my God. They were, they were back at their, their Airbnb by 10. She was like, we're old. <laughs> but anyways, that's, she's in Dallas with the bridal party. Or that's where they were this weekend. So, like, I've asked the question. It has not been answered yet. Hopefully, it'll get answered tomorrow. But. The reason I ask is I have sun- I have that Sunday off just in case. It's like, yeah, if you're needed, go ahead and go. And I was like. And the reason I mainly need to know because it was like, if I'm needed, I can get a haircut Saturday. And that won't be one of the things where like, I can prep and get the haircut done. And if I need to get something to, like, look presentable, I can do that. But if not, I'm. It's a boho wedding. I did really even know what the definition of that style was until recently. I and I either. had to buy something to wear because I am a 90s grunge girl or total white girl who wears nothing but yoga pants and t-shirts. So, yeah. So, I just bought a dress off of Amazon that was approved by my mother who's the maid of honor. But, like, we just had a lot of stuff going on this week. And so, I get home today and my, and we were at my grandparents' house last night after the funeral and I came in and there was just you couldn't even see the island that we are currently sitting at like you couldn't and there were leaves all over the floor because the dog likes to chew leaves off the plants (laughs) and and I was just like I have to clean and one of my sisters was also staying with my mom this past week because it was my mom's birthday. So, like, the living room was rearranged so that we could fit an air mattress in here because she doesn't want to sleep with anybody because she claims that she doesn't sleep when she has to sleep with another person. And I'm like, Gerilyn, we're your sisters and sometimes you gotta share a bed. Like, it's... Anyways. Because she made a big deal about being stuck on the couch and I was like, go sleep with mom. Like, Caitlin and I are having to share a bed right now. Go sleep with mom. And she's like, I just don't sleep well with other people. And I was like... That's not my problem. I have an air mattress. Go get it and blow it up. If you don't want to sleep on it. So anyways. I had. Their 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 high had to clean. It also did not smell nice in here. Because the dog was here overnight by himself. Oh. 
he had he all he went on the pads. There was just quite a few spots that needed to be cleaned up. And so, like, he came in, and I had, like, a candle going, and I put, like, a new wax cube in the scentsy pot, bleached the kitchen, and then used my, like, good-smelling counter cleaner to, like, cover up the bleach smell. Yeah. It was fine. I enjoy cleaning, so it was totally fine. Yeah. I just think it's funny that I was literally gone for a day and a half, and the entire house was destroyed. Because I used to feel really intimidated, because, like, Dora's supposed to come clean my place, I'm just... <laughs> your I will your apartment will smell like game by the time I leave. Well, I mean, I guess that'd be good because at that point I'm like, oh, that's a nice smell to walk home to. Mm-hmm. I start with bleach and then I end with game. My apartment's about to be a whole new, like I'm about to walk in and my apartment's gonna be like a whole different like size. Like I'm like I don't even know where all this space randomly came from. I am very good at that. Look, it's okay as long as it gets done. Cause like if it gets done once, I won't need it done like ever again. It's just like oh, once it starts getting dirty, I'm like, I'm tired and I kind of don't want to do it. I used to hate cleaning, but now that's just what I do to assert some semblance of control in my life. And I keep getting in trouble because every time I'm at my memos, I like want to clean. Because there's always a billion kids there, and they don't clean up after themselves, so then I feel bad because then my memo has to do it. And then, like, she gets mad at me. She's like, don't. You don't have to do that. Like, I'll do it. And I'm like, you shouldn't have to do it either. Like, their parents should make them clean up after themselves. There's a 13-year-old that couldn't find the power button on a GameCube. And he was just like, we don't know how to turn it off. We don't know how to do any of that. And I'm like, you find the button that says power, and you press it. Yeah. Anyways, so... I cleaned a lot today, actually. So that's what I was... Because we didn't get to eat until later because we were waiting on people to show up because my grandma cooked lunch. And then no one was there until 1, one fifteen, And so I was just going around and, like, cleaning and folding blankets and, like, throwing away trash. And she was like, Jordan, you don't feel good. Sit down. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, I just watched you pop, like, 15 pills. Most of them were prescriptions, though. She wants most. Well, there was like four Tylenol in there and then an ibuprofen. I just told you I fell in the shower, okay? I'm in pain. And I knew I was going to have to drive, so I couldn't take an actual pain pill. There is no judgment here. That is not the look on his face, guys. She can't read my face even if she tried. Whatever. Okay, we've been bullcrapping, bullshitting. Whatever. Pool driving. Sure. For like 35 minutes now. I have a very interesting place to tell you about today. Alright. Lay it on me. So, it's really funny because this is one of the places that I've always wanted to go. And I got so close to it in college when I was in Ireland. Mm-hmm. But, my memo's family is from Ireland. My papa's family is from Scotland, and we actually have Andersons on both sides. Just one clan is from Ireland, and one clan is from Scotland, and then they came to America, met, and intertwined, and then separated, and then now they have intertwined again with my mama and papa. It's really weird. It's a small world after all. It's crazy. But we have claim to a castle 
in Scotland that my family actually still owns and has claim to. It's in Bruins. You can't actually live there, but it's partially still standing and it's a national landmark for them. So that's there. But there's a castle in Ireland that was built by an, by an Irish clan and was ruled over by a different Irish clan um, that we can trace our family back to. So have you ever seen, you've seen the movie Brave, haven't you? They did. What? Chalk it up again for how I disappoint Jordan. Uh, Only in movies. I am literally creating a list every, like I'm adding to the list every day of movies he needs to watch. Okay, so in Brave, it's a Scottish movie and it's not Irish. Yes, it's right, right? Yeah, Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the clan that her father is the chief of, mm-hmm. but then that clan, so her father is the chief of a clan, but that clan rules over that was the dog he's fine so that clan rules over three other clans and so there's four clans but one of the clans is like the leader clan and that's generally how it happens or what you know how it worked back then in just all of you know britannia and ireland um so in ireland you had one clan that was very powerful and they were all about world domination and so they sort of absorbed all these other smaller clans and we can trace our Irish history back to one of the clans, but we just don't know which one because there's so many like intermingling and like, you know, marriages and people losing power or taking power. And so we know it was like one of like four clans that do fall under the rule of one of the bigger clans. And they ruled a certain castle in Ireland, which they don't have any claim to it anymore because they legally lost it um, to the British. Whole thing. It's a very touchy subject in Ireland. Do not talk about the British when you're in Ireland. No. Very big deal. Um, anyways. So it's one of the places that I've always wanted to go to. When I was in Ireland, I was able to drive past it, but it has not been open to tourists until very, very recently, I believe. I did see some stuff about, like, haunted ghost tours for this place. Um, But when I was there about four and a half, five years ago, it was not open to the public. The private owners that own it now are only there... um, certain times of the year so mm-hmm. it's usually locked up um i did go to blarney castle in ireland which is where the uh, stone of gab is and if you kiss the stone of gab you're supposed to inherit this the gift of gab which i think we can all attest to that i do have because i kissed the stone of gab at blarney castle and supposedly blarney castle is haunted but i couldn't find a lot of stuff on it it does have a really cool history though but i just couldn't find a lot of sources saying that it was haunted. But today, we're going to talk about Lep Castle. And it gets a little confusing because it's spelled Leap. And there's a reason for it. But in Irish, Gaelic, it's pronounced Lep. It still means Leap. It's just not spelled that way. Because the Irish, they use the Roman alphabet. Um, but even their written language, they, they're, they have combination vowels and combination consonants. Um, so if you have a certain two letters that are together that precede or 
follow a certain consonant, they make a completely different sound. And so because the E and the A are together and they follow uh, the letter L, they make a different sound. So it makes a an E sound instead of an E sound. Um, and so it, it is spelled Leap Castle, but it is pronounced Lep Castle. So I will be calling it Lep Castle, but if you want to Google it or research it, it is spelled L-E-A-P. Calm down. Oh my God, was he humping it? Yes. Ah! It's okay, my mom's not here. She doesn't understand the fact that even though she got him fixed, like, he's a male dog. That's what males do. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. My dog does not do, actually, he probably does, actually. I don't see him up now. <laughs> I'm just saying, I have never met a male dog that does not do that. So, um, let me go to my notes here. Okay, so Lep Castle is located in Coolderry, which is in County Offaly, Ireland. It is six kilometers north of Roscree and ten kilometers south of Kennedy. Uh, I know you guys probably have no idea where any of that is, so I'm just going to tell you Lep Castle is literally in the smack dab of Ireland. And don't forget, there's the there's Northern Ireland too, which is its own separate country. True. Um, but if you go to Ireland, which is the southern part, it's the bigger part, it is literally smack dab in the middle. Um, I, I am going to add in here, uh, the Irish pronunciations can get a little confusing, especially with family names. So I'm going to use the British pronunciations um, just because that's how we Americans pronounce, or pronounce things. Um, I do speak a good bit of Irish Gaelic, um, but I don't expect expect you or anyone else to be able to fully follow that because uh, the names are quite quite a mouthful not as bad as welsh but they're quite a mouthful um so i am not going to be using the traditional pronunciation of things unless it's relevant which i think i'm only going to do it once um so don't at me if you think i'm mispronouncing things i'm totally doing it for the sake of clarity. There's some conflicting information about the castle's history, so I'm mainly using the castle's formal website for my background information. Um, all of the, you know, the information about, you know, sightings and reports and the hauntings and stuff I got either from a Ghost Hunters episode or other articles that I found in the very, very deep Irish web. Because there's just not a lot. Which is surprising, because it's the most haunted castle in Ireland. And I could not find a lot of written, like, accounts of, like, actual sightings of things. It's just like, oh, it has a tragic and brutal history. Of course it's haunted. And I'm like, so what did people see? What do people report here? But it wouldn't, it wouldn't go, a lot of things wouldn't go into that, which is why I had to, like, dig really deep into... The, the, the web. Should do some deep diving into the web. Yeah, VPN into the UK web to translate some Irish words because I said I speak a good bit. There were several words that I did not know and had to look up. So, my, most of them were like names that didn't look like names to me. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like they didn't have a definition. And so then I just kind of had to conclude that it was the name of something. But it's fine. We're, I made it through my notes. We're good. It's still very interesting. 
Um, okay, so Lepp Castle was built in the late 12th century or the 15th century. So between the 12th and the 15th century by the O'Bannon family. Uh, historians kind of lead more towards mid-13th century of when it was built. Um, it is called Lepp Castle or Leap Castle because two of the O'Bannon brothers were fighting over who was going to inherit their father's wealth and control of the castle. And according to legend, they proposed a competition. And so their brilliant solution to this feud was that each of them would jump off of a rock where the castle was going to be built and whoever survived would inherit the wealth, spoils, and control of the castle when it was completed. Uh, we don't know who won. Uh, or if either of them survived, but that is why the land that the castle was built on is called Leimoi Wanain, or O'Bannon's Leap, and sub sub subsequently, there we go. Subsequently, the castle was there was named uh, Lep or Leap Castle. They were smart. That's such a guy <laughs> thing to do. I know, and I was telling my grandma today, and I was like, I just have to tell you. I don't know that our family was from the O'Bannon clan, but I know it's, we can trace our lineage back to one of the clans that the mm. main clan ruled over. Um, they were not smart. <laughs> I just can't imagine. It's like, no, in, in my mind, I'm not going to lie. If I'm one of them, I'm like, hey, you jump first. All right, well, he didn't make it. All right, so I'm going I'm to I'm put it right here. Because <laughs> at that point, it's just like, if they're both, like, whoever didn't survive, I'm like, if you... If you go second and he died, it's like he didn't survive. There's no need for me to jump. We you didn't you didn't specify we had to go at the same time. I'm not gonna lie. If I jump down and I survive, and I jump down and you survive, then we just have a big problem. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so I just thought that was funny. And now this is according to legend, so I'm choosing to believe this is real because uh, I have met my family and I have met quite a few Irishmen, and I fully believe that something like this did happen. You don't have to believe it, but many people do. Behind every little bit of legend is a hint of truth. Hint of truth. So yeah, I think the Laim Ai Wanayan is the only time I'm actually really going to say any, any Irish. Um, the O'Bannon clan were the secondary clan under the all-powerful Carroll clan. O'Carroll clan. O'Carroll clan, yeah. Uh, the O'Carrolls were a fierce and brutal people hell-bent on domination. They were known for their ruthless tactics, often killing each other and whoever else on their path to supremacy. So the O'Carrolls were the powerful clan that ruled over several smaller clans like the O'Bannons. Um, Lep Castle has been home to a lot of bloodshed and violence over the centuries and the castle was built fueled by blood and death because you know built on the site where at least one O'Bannon brother died from stupidity exactly but um and this this castle's entire history is just so dramatic like it's violent but it is very dramatic i mean there are just theatrics i feel like just things that 
could have happened in any other way and the outcome still would not have changed. But they just did things so dramatically. So To make a, yeah, they're just super extra. It's, it's hilarious. I enjoyed this research way too much. <laughs> um, so Lep Castle was used as a principal stronghold for the O'Carroll clan. Uh, it was used to guard the past. 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 It was used to guard the pass through Schlev Bloom Mountains. Um, through the Schlev Bloom Mountains. I can read. My head is still throbbing, by the way. Uh, it was used to guard the pass through the Schlev Bloom Mountains. And it has been said that no castle was more fortified than Lep. Um, so I'm not quite sure if I mentioned this later on in my notes, but between the castle's... Uh, between when the time the castle was built and when it fell out of the O'Carroll's control, uh, there were many attempts to take it from them, and all of them were unsuccessful. And, I mean, we're talking they had control of that castle for over three centuries, and none of the attempts to take it from them were successful. Um... I think there was one attempt where it was, like, super close, but if this is one of the only castles where it didn't, you know, get passed along, where it was kind of like, oh, I own it. Nope, just kidding. Two years later, I overtook it. You know, it's it didn't pass or change hands very often. It was built by this one clan, technically was owned by the bigger clan, and it stayed that way for centuries, and they were just super powerful and brutal and were a force to be reckoned with. After the death of Chieftain Mulroney O'Carroll in 1532, a rivalry erupted between two brothers of the O'Carroll clan, one of whom was a priest. So while the priest was holding a mass in the chapel of the castle for his family, uh, his brother burst into the chapel, plunged his sword into his brother, and the priest fell across the altar and died right in front of his family. I'm just picturing this. Like, he had to do it in the middle of mass. <laughs> this man walked in. He walked in. I'm trying to, like, think of how extra this was. This man, I'm just imagining this man walking in. Like, they say, walking. no, no. This man kicked down the door. We're gonna we're gonna get a file. It he does kicked. say he burst in. Okay, okay, never mind. He burst in. So this man, I'm just like thinking, this man's walking with his like sword, and like, and everybody's like, you know, probably like, and that's not a euphemism. It was an actual sword. And this man's over here, like they're like, oh, you know, saying what's up, and he's just like, yeah, 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 and he like kicks down the door, and he sees his brother, doesn't say anything, and just stabs him, and then it's just like, what is Uncle doing? And it's just like that's the end of that situation. And he's like, he's like, I went, and, he, and you could just. Just just imagine the, the dramatic scene unfolding. You've got this group of family members, probably children also, and, and young adults. Kids can't really live that long back in those days. Um, but they're listening to their family member give them a sermon, and their other family member bursts in and just, like, buries his sword in their other family member's chest, and he just kind of, like, has this look of, betrayal and anger and then just like falls across doesn't fall on the floor he falls across the altar that's set up um 
So there are pictures of the chapel, but it's kind of hard to describe what it was like. But most chapels back in those days, um, it's kind of, Ireland's history is kind of muddled. Um, Christianity did come to Ireland during, uh, you know, when the Romans, I mean, the Romans did bring Christianity to Ireland. Um, it's kind of muddy when exactly that happened, but it was Christianity. Um, and they had kind of pushed, uh, the Gaelic, uh, paganism back. And so a lot of holidays and stuff were adapted to fit Christianity to make it easier for them to to accept, which we did talk about that in last week's episode. Um, so a lot of the chapels that were built originally were built with like a an elevated altar. So the priests didn't stand on top of like a stage. They kind of would roam around the 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 chapel. But there was a raised platform where the altar would be. And that altar would have candles and tapestries and offerings on it. Um, so in the chapel in Lep Castle, you don't really see any kind of raised platform. Now, mind you, this castle has been set on fire and it's thousands of years old. Um, so that all could have just been eroded over, over time or removed at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always going to be towards the back wall like we traditionally see. Um, and I just, it's not off to the side. It's not like he's standing on the platform with it. So he had to have like fallen backwards across this altar with like a bulb of water and like candles and a couple of crosses and just dramatically like fallen back along or back against this, this altar that has been retrofitted to fit Christianity and just knocking all of it off, getting blood everywhere. And the family is just like silently freaking out because what can they do? Also, it's probably that one person said, bro, I just cleaned this like last week. I pr- probably. <laughs> it's probably a woman too. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, so very dramatic death in the chapel. And the chapel is now known as the Bloody Chapel. Makes sense. Yep. They never cleaned it, that's why I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, oh my god. Um, there's another reason for that. We'll get to it. Yeah. We're gonna get to it. Um, so, uh, Lep Castle remained in control of the O'Carroll clan until about 1642 or 1649. Each, there was some conflicting information, but 1640s, uh, when an English soldier named Jonathan Darby, uh, who was... Uh, an English soldier of the Cromwellian forces, uh, he took it from them. Some people say that the Darbys inherited the castle by marriage, uh, but I'm going to be honest with you, something happened and this soldier waltzed in and he just took the castle. Don't know how it happened. We don't have a lot of documents from that time, but uh, the Darbys acquired it long before other websites say that it was acquired by marriage. Um... So, during the ownership of the Darby family, a number of seances were held in the castle by a woman named Mildred Darby, who wrote a number of gothic novels and occult novels. She had, like, a diary. 
Yeah. It's very interesting. And it publishes a book. Like, you can go read it. Uh, she also published an account of her time living in the castle. It's quite interesting. But her seances and her writings kind of led to the publicity of there being ghosts in Lep Castle. Mildred also was married at the age of 12. And so there, I just imagine this, like, 12-year-old holding seances in this 2,000-year-old castle. I mean, it was totally normal back then. Not the seance part, but, like, the the whole, like, a child being married to an older man. Because that's just how it was. But Hey, look. I'm just saying, like, you said the 12-year-old doing seance. I'm married at 12. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, hold on. I mean, that was totally normal for the time, but then it's like you add in, like, she's 12, 13 years old and is literally holding seances in the castle that she lives in. She was built different. And, like, I know that this was written well, well before Mysteries of Adolfo, but I just get Mysteries of Adolfo vibes, and only the English majors out there are going to know what that that means. It's a book. I know, but it it sounds so familiar. You've probably heard me talk crap about it before. Maybe, but I don't know if that's it. What happens in the book? Uh, this girl loses her family and then, like, goes to live in a mysterious castle. Alright. It's literally the entire premise of the book. (laughs) Her dad dies. She goes to live in this chateau. And it's, like, super creepy at night. She's, like, roaming around. Um, now there is a book that was written by Jane Austen. Uh, it's called Northanger Abbey, and the main character Catherine in that book is reading Mysteries of Adolfo. <laughs> so Jane Austen literally wrote a parody of Mysteries of Adolfo. That is how bad this book was. I mean, it was like really popular at the time of you know Jane Austen, but. Um, because it's a it's a romantic era gothic novel but him radcliffe is just so descriptive i'm sorry i don't want to read two pages about what a tree looks like i don't care how green the leaves are and what the what sound they make when the wind passes through them <laughs> like this girl is walking home and she passes a tree and here's the wind whistling through the leaves. That's all the reader needs to know. Okay, this book was so much longer than it needed to be. and was so descriptive. And I have an appreciation for detail. But I don't need that much detail. I, and I also just find it funny that Jane Austen was later making fun of the book. But it is quite a famous book. So there's, there's a huge possibility that you've heard about it. Probably. Or had to read it at some point. Or was on a list for you to read and that you just didn't read. That sounds more accurate. Yeah. I read it in high school and I read it in college. But I was in AP English and stuff. I feel like it was just talked about, but I don't think I read it. But I was like, I was like, can you say it? And I was like, why is that so so funny? I mean, it is used as an example. It's a teaching point. Because it's kind of like the prime example of of romantic gothic novels. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's like the, the, like, perfect... Example, like perfect ideal example of literally what romantic gothic, the romantic gothic era, you know, she's this well-to-do girl who's happy and tragedy strikes her and then she like goes to live with some random aunt and then gets married off to this older dude and then she goes to live with him in his chateau and it's creepy and like 
there's all these like mysterious things in the castle that she's like finding. I mean, it's been years since I've read it and I hate it. So I like only paid attention the first time I read it, which mm-hmm. was in high school when we had to read it again in college. I literally complained to Dr. White the entire time we were studying that book. I was like, I hate this book. I hate this book. I hate this book. I love Dracula. Cause he also taught a vampire like class that I took as an elective. And I was like, I loved every single one of these selections. The only thing I had a problem with was the end of Dracula. And I just think the ending is crap. So I just never read the end. And he was just, he was so upset. He was like, why don't you ever read the end? I'm like, I read it twice. I just don't like the fact that a certain character dies because it's dumb. I don't care how old he is, but whatever. I understand that this isn't Jane Austen writing this book, but whatever. Um, So yeah, I complained to him the entire time we were reading that book. It was awful. Sounds Um, about right. Yeah, but, but like, this whole young girl, like, going to live in this haunted castle just, like, gives me serious Mysteries of Adolfo vibes, mm-hmm. and because, you know, everything else that's happened in the castle up to this point has just been painfully dramatic and kind of stupid, it just really paints that, that picture for me, um, and the fact that Mildred wrote a number of gothic novels, and it's just, like, perfect inspiration for what she made a career out of Mm -hmm. um okay moving on in 1922 during the irish civil war uh the castle was set ablaze by 11 raiders uh this fire destroyed the north wing and a larger wing of the castle and almost all of the valuable contents inside so at the point at that time a certain person was living there and i say a certain person he was not significant to history at all he just was a person, and I don't remember his name, it was Richard something, or maybe his last name was Richardson, I don't know. Um, he was able to save some furniture and stuff that was original to the castle uh, and put it in storage, but then that storage was later raided by another group of people from during the Civil War, so there are maybe one or two pieces that are still inside of Lep Castle that are original to the building. Uh, luckily, the main portion of the building was intact, and that does include the chapel. Uh, there's also a priest's house, which is separate from the property, and it also was burnt pretty much to the ground. It, uh, is basically just a shell of a building, um, so you can, like, see the, the foundation and, like, some of the supporting, uh, columns and, and beams and stuff, but there's no walls, there's no, it's basically just this open shell of a building. Um... During construction in the 1900s, and this is like restoration construction, uh, workers found an oubliette behind a wall in the chapel. Do you know what that is? I do not know what that is. Okay. Quick history lesson. An oubliette is a secret dungeon uh, commonly found in castles from, uh, you know, medieval times, very early history. Uh, with the only entrance being a trap door in its ceiling. So this is that, that dungeon that you see in movies where they open a trap door and the person falls into the dungeon and is either impaled or eaten by dogs or whatever they have down there. Um, Blarney Castle does have one of these. So, uh, you can't go in it, but you can, like, look down in it. Um, they're very terrifying and you just kind of have to imagine all of the bodies that have just, all the people that have died down there. Um, but they found the oubliette in the chapel. Well, it's behind the chapel. So it is um, 
okay, so hold on. So they find it behind the chapel, and at the bottom of the shaft, there were numerous human skeletons uh, that they found down there. And when cleaned out, it took three truckloads to remove all of the bones from the oubliette that they found. Um, and it's believed now that the O'Carrolls would drop guests through the trap door to be impaled on spikes eight feet below. Uh, they found a pocket watch from the mid-19th century showing that the dungeon may have been in use as recently as the mid-1800s. And so the Darbys owned it during the 1800s. So. It's, like, it's like, meanwhile, America's like, Civil War! The Darbys and, and, drop people down the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, well... And it's just fascinating because the entrance to the Oubliette wasn't found until the 1900s. So where did the entrance go? Like, who covered it up? And if you watch the Ghost Hunters episode, it's kind of hard to imagine that it was a trap door in the ceiling. Well, not in the ceiling. It would have been in the floor. But... The way that you get to it from the chapel is through, like, it's, like, to the side. And then you do go down a ladder, but it's, like, off to the side. It's not, like, a trap door that's, like, in the middle of the chapel. But they are getting to it from the from the upstairs chapel area, I believe. Um, so there could very well have been another trap door that, you know, that dropped people into the same oubliette from a different part of the castle that just doesn't exist anymore. Um, but in 1974, the now ruined castle was purchased by an Australian historian named Peter Bartlett. Peter, with the help of a local builder, carried out uh, numerous renovations until his death, in, well, Peter's death, in 1989. And since then, the castle has been privately owned by the Ryan family, uh, who continue the restoration work to this day. And so, as I was doing my research, I did find a couple of tidbits of information about it being open to tours and, like, ghost hunts and stuff now. But when I was there in Ireland, it was not open to the public. And during the time that Ghost Hunters was there filming, it was not open to the public. Uh, one of the members of TOPS had to pull some strings to get the team in there. Um, but the owner, uh, Mr. Ryan, was was very open to what they found. Um, and he fully believes that it's haunted. He's like, I can't deny it. Um, but it may or may not be. So if you live in Ireland and you happen to listen to this podcast and you have been in there or you plan to go or maybe the internet lied to me, just let me know. You can email us. Okay. So now we can jump into the hauntings. Okay. So we're going to talk about the Bloody Chapel, the Priest's House, the Elemental, the Murder Hole Room, Murder Hole Room, the Red Lady, and then two uh, female spirits named Emily and Charlotte. So there are quite a few other uh, sightings and other places in the castle that are said to be haunted, but these are the most talked about, so those are the ones that we are going to focus on. Um, the current owner of the castle now reports hearing footsteps, doors opening and closing, uh, whispers and crowds talking, which that one kind of freaks me out. Like, it's one thing to hear, like, whispers and, like, maybe a, a whispered conversation between, like, two, three people, but to, like, 
be sitting in one room and then literally hear a crowd of people in another room. Like, that's seriously creepy to me. <laughs> so you'd be like, all right, all right, all right, where the, you like, it's time to go. Yeah, and in, a, in, a, in an interview that I read, he said that, like, but if he gets up and, like, tries to go towards whatever it is he's hearing or seeing, he can never find the source. And so it's like, and I feel like if it was a true, uh, oh, what's the name? Oh my gosh. Because you have an intelligent, a residual haunt. There we go. And I, I feel like if it was a true, like, residual haunt, then, like, the crowded, or the crowded room, you know, whispers or, like, just the sounds of a crowd in, in the castle would be connected to a specific space. Mm-hmm. And he would be able to find the source because it would always happen in that space. You know, because um, a residual haunt is just basically like a supernatural tape player. You know, there's an event or somebody going about their daily routine every day or it just plays over and over and over again. It's like a memory that's embedded into a place. But like if he moves towards it and it's constantly moving away or he can't find the source, to me that just doesn't, that's just weird because it's not, that falls between a residual and an intelligent haunt. Like, to me, like, that's that's its own classification. That's the fridge. Our fridge is making really, really weird noises. It has been for a couple of weeks, and we're just waiting for it to die. Hopefully it won't. I don't have wood to knock on. Oh, maybe piece of wood. Um. <laughs> uh, you woke him up. Aw, it's fine. So the most common reports um, by other people, not just the owners, are visions of monks roaming the grounds outside the castle, an apparition of a lady in a red dress, the elemental, and then footsteps and phantom smells. There's going to be a lot of phantom smells that that we talk about. Um, So we're going to start with the elemental. Now, according to Grant from Ghost Hunters Classic, um... So, Ghost Hunters Classic uh, are the original 12 seasons of Ghost Hunters. Uh, Discovery Plus just recently uploaded all 12 seasons, and I am so excited. Because <laughs> first, they just had, like, seasons one, and then, like, five, and then, like, seven, and a few others. And then, like, all of a sudden, it was, like, seven through 12. But, like, seasons two, three, and four were just nowhere to be found. And so now we have all 12 seasons and I'm rewatching them all and I'm so excited. But um, Ghost Hunters is being, uh, how should they, it's, uh, what's the word when they like, it's not revamp, but it's like being relaunched or uh, like redone, not redone, but it's being brought back. I know, I'm trying to think of the, the word, uh, if it was a video game, it would be remastered, but that's not it. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I just keep seeing tweets about how Ghost Hunters is back. Um, I don't... Because Grant had done two seasons of, of the new Ghost Hunters with A&E, but now it's back... I don't know if it's back on A&E or Sci-Fi, but both of those channels are owned by Discovery+. Plus. Or the Discovery Network, so who knows. But anyways, it's about to become a, new, a show again. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be like Jason and Grant or just like Grant, Steve and Tango, like Ghost Nation was. Um, because when Grant relaunched Ghost Hunters, he had a completely new team. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But Ghost Hunters Classic is the original 12 
seasons that like started in like 2005 and went through like 2011 i think um so according to grant during an interview uh during uh episode or seasons season three episode six it was called attack of the irish elemental uh he stated that an elemental is just a short neutral being um it's gonna do what it's gonna do and sometimes that can often come across to someone who is you know not very educated in paranormal or whatever um that can come across as like malicious or like a trickster or a prankster type spirit um but as the elemental is further described and they encounter it they kind of I don't know, it doesn't seem like, if if an elemental really is, like, a neutral being that just kind of, like, exists, which, and elementals are very common in Irish lore, um, they're just, like, nature spirits, really, um, in Irish lore, not necessarily, like, what they really are, according to, like, paranormal researchers, mm-hmm. but in Irish lore, they're just kind of, like, small nature spirits that just, sometimes they pray, play pranks, but most of the time they're harmless, and they they just kind of exist, and they exist around other things, but they are collections of energy or just another type of being, but they're always connected to some form of nature, which is why it's called an elemental. Um, so, with the way that this elemental is being described, it doesn't really seem that way to me. Uh, it kind of has a more demonic feel, um, and you're going to see why. So... The elemental has been identified as, uh, I have a really weird typo. I put the elemental has been identified as the word entity. I think I meant main entity. Uh, so the elemental is the main entity in the castle. Or maybe I meant worst. I think it's, I mean, it is the worst, but it's the main entity that's seen in the castle, and it definitely is the worst. Um, it has been known to fight back and harm people who challenge it. It doesn't like being provoked. It doesn't like being challenged. It doesn't like being told what to do. Uh, the elemental f- first appeared around 1850 when Mildred Darby moved into the home and started her dark art practices and seances in the home. Uh, she described the elemental in her occult journal, which was written about 1908, uh, as being the size of a sheep. Okay, it says it was written in 1908. Maybe it was just, like, published in 1908. Because if she was 12 around 1850, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Uh, Barry Fitzgerald did the episode that I watched said 1908. But whatever. So she has this occult journal. And uh, in it, she said that the elemental was the size of a sheep and it was surrounded by this, like, white mist. Um, Its face was decayed. So it was about the size of a sheep, but, like, I don't know that it looked like a sheep. But its face looked like a corpse decaying. And it didn't have eyes. So I'm just imagining, like, dark holes where the eyes would be. Mm-hmm. And then the the entity generated an awful smell of sulfur and decay, as well as an incredible amount of fear. Um, and demonic spirits are often reported to also be the source of a terrible smell of sulfur, rotten eggs, decay, 
So that's kind of tips me off as it being a demonic spirit and not an elemental. And if Mildred was doing seances, and this is just coming from me as somebody who has done a lot of research and, like, reading about the paranormal realm, but, like, I don't do investigations because I'm a huge chicken. But I'm very interested in it. Nothing wrong with that. Cause, um, I, I wish Jordan Wood hit me with it. So you want to go explore it? No. <laughs> no. I have been on ghost hunts, but I always end up like crying in the middle of it because I'm like, some people are provoking and I don't condone that. But then like other people are just like doing things wrong. And it's like, I know how to use the equipment, but at the same time, I don't want to experience anything because I'm scared. So I've only been on a few, but. Um, you can keep that like on your own and And that's fine. I have somebody that I go with because she's a non-believer and so I feel like we balance each other out. Um, Yeah, you can be a non-believer too until something happens and everybody's a believer then. Something would happen to her and she would still find some logical reason for it and I'm like, whatever. Yeah, you know, this weird smell and yelling that popped up out of nowhere. It's like, ah, that's normal. I'd be like, you know what, guys? This is why I decided not to come most of the time. (laughs) Um, but, I mean, just from my research and things that I've watched and read and, and people that I've spoken to, if you have somebody who's doing a seance, and whether or not they're educated and they know what they're doing, or they're really a medium or a psychic or who, whatever else, I don't really feel like you would attract an elemental, like a nature spirit with a seance. I really do feel like a seance is going to attract darker entities or human spirits with, with ill intentions or, you know, I mean, there's just no way to prove that, that whatever your whatever comes through during a seance is a human entity or a demon or who you're actually speaking to because you can't see them. And I mean, and that's why a lot of people just don't believe in the paranormal field, which is fine. But for somebody who does believe in that or just can't count out that that doesn't happen or that doesn't exist because I can't see it. You can't prove to me that it doesn't exist. Knowing what we know and knowing what has been commonly reported, you know, for, from people who have had seances and spoken to people, I'm using air quotes on the other side. You just, I mean, even in Ireland where like elementals and like, fairies and all that stuff is very common well the belief in that is very common i just don't feel like they would be attracted to a seance so like if people are saying this elemental showed up when mildred started doing her seances i'm like that's that's not a nature spirit to me anyway that's my opinion but whatever um so Jason and Grant, after their investigation and after speaking to, you know, to Barry, who's been in the castle before and, uh, you know, doing interviews with other people, uh, they definitely did state that the elemental is more of a dem- demonic spirit than an elemental. So they cooperate my theory, but still could be left up to a fair amount of interpretation. Mm. Um, so the elemental is often encountered in the old access to the battlements. So it's like this really tiny hallway that's like the lowest part of the castle that you can get to now because, I mean, over half the castle was destroyed. Um, so there's still like this really old hallway that's used for storage now. Um, but the elemental is most commonly found in that area. Um, you will encounter a foul smell. And people, 
Barry Fitzgerald is a member of TAPS, but he's the, like, UK kind of Irish TAPS family. Uh, he is in GHI, which is Ghost Hunters International. Um, he's the tech specialist for that group. Uh, so he... How should I say it? Um, he said that when some people encounter the elemental, they smell the really bad smell, and then it leaves them in a bad way for several hours after their encounter. So I don't know if he meant that that leaves them like feeling very scared or if it makes them sick or if they just feel out of sorts. Mm -hmm. He just, because depending on which country you're in, saying that can have a very different meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, But he said that um, it just leaves people in a very bad way for a few hours after the encounter um, while investigating the old access. uh, So Barry actually did the investigation with them. Um, mostly because he was like, I've been here, I've experienced it, I'm not leaving you guys here alone with this dangerous thing. Um, But also Steve, who is the tech manager for Ghost Hunters at this time, he's terrified of heights and flying, so he couldn't make it to this investigation, and so I feel like Barry kind of stayed to kind of help with the tech part. Um, But Brian and Barry... um, witnessed some shadow movement and a huge drop in barometric pressure um, while they were in the old access. They decided to um, set up like a mini DV in the area since that's like the area where it's most seen um, or just encountered or people just know it's there. Um, So they go into the old access and Brian kind of goes towards the back to set down his mini DV and he's like freaking out because... While he's backing out or setting it up, setting up the mini DV, Barry's like, oh my gosh, my watch is going off. There's like a huge drop in barometric pressure and like the atmosphere is changing and like they start smelling this this weird smell. But they didn't necessarily say it was like sulfur. They're just like the air smells different and it like turned really stale. And then as Brian is like setting up or, you know, looking through the viewfinder on this mini DV, he's, like, seeing something along the back wall, and he's like, oh my gosh, dude, I'm seeing something. Now, Brian is a very excitable person. He also ran out of an investigation at one point because he thought he saw something. And I'm like, you're an investigator. Your entire job is to not run away from things, especially when the client is there, because then like, I don't know, it's this whole thing. So he got super excited and Barry's like, dude, get the heck out of there. Like from my experience, like in with this kind of like drop in pressure and like this change in the atmosphere, like something's about to happen. You need to get out. And he's like, dude, I just saw something like, oh, I think I just got something on the mini DV, man. And Barry's like, I don't care. Get the heck out of here. Um, So while Brian was backing out of the space, he's like seeing all this shadow play and like things moving. During the, uh, the analysis of the evidence, turns out that that shadow was Brian. <laughs> it was his shadow. <laughs> moving along the back wall and it was really funny because it's like on the like tiny little two inch you know viewfinder on this mini dv like it looks a lot different and then when you put it on a bigger 
um, like a bigger bigger screen. Uh, Dave Tango was doing the analysis for that specific set, uh, piece of evidence, and he was like, "Dude, like I can see your your head and your shoulder, and there's like the he was wearing a hat, and so like the bill of his hat was like sticking out, and he was like, yeah, dude, that has to be you, even if it isn't. It looks too much like you for us to because apparently this elemental can like change shape, and so like they kind of considered the idea that maybe like it was you know manifesting as like a copy of you know him." But it looks too much like him for them to, like, bring that to the client and be like, we caught this evidence. Because it, it could be Brian. And it most likely was. But he got so excited. And then it just wasn't it. <laughs> um, now, the smell was still there. And the drop in barometric pressure was there. They just didn't get any video evidence of this elemental. Um, so next... We are going to move into the bloody chapel. Um, so the the chapel is on a higher in a higher portion of the castle. It's not on the ground floor. Uh, the official reports in the chapel are of the priest. Uh, so he has been seen on many occasions. Uh, this this spirit has also been seen lurking on the stairway below. So like the stairway that leads to the lower floor mm-hmm. um and also leaving the chapel via a western door to the bartizan which i actually forgot to google what that is we're gonna do that right now i i like highlighted it for me to google it hey, um an overhanging corner turret at the top of a castle or church tower Okay, so it's like an outside portion. It's the door on the western side of the the chapel, but it leads to the bartizan, which is like a corner balcony, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't think you'd have a turret. I mean, yeah. I I assume turret had the same meaning. Okay. Um, And then he's also seen... uh, so he's seen leaving the chapel via that western door to the bartizan and then down the northern stairs. So there are several staircases that lead to the chapel, or at least two or three, uh, if you don't count the ladder that goes down into the oubliette. Uh, so in the episode of Ghost Hunters that I watched, um, the chapel was by far their most active area. Uh, so Barry Fitzgerald, who's the tech manager with GHI, he reports, so during the tour and like before they even started the, the, the investigation, uh, he tells Jason and Grant that he had seen, he's seen the priest in the chapel on a number of occasions, but there was this one occasion where he saw a full on apparition, like not just like a piece or like a fuzzy outline or a shadow figure, like he saw a full solid apparition he described it as not transparent or fuzzy it was very clear and it hurried past him out of a door and into the chapel so i don't really know if he was referring to that like western door or the like door to one of the staircases but he was like i was standing in this doorway and i went to like i was standing in front of the doorway and i opened the door and then he just like came running past me um into the chapel and they were like well what did it look like and he was like dude i thought it was a person but like i turned around and then nobody was there and it wasn't even like at night like he was like this was like during the day so 
He's like, I have 100% seen the priest in this area, so I can substantiate that claim, because uh, that's the main claim for the chapel. But it gets really interesting later on in the investigation. So Dave, Tango, and Dustin Perry get told to go to the very top and then work their way down. Um, so a lot of times they'll, you know, in larger places they'll have, you know, like, they'll send two teams in, and they'll, like, say, okay, like, you start on this side, and you start on this side, and mm. then you'll kind of, like, meet in the middle. And so, at the time that Barry and Brian were down in the old access to the battlements, which is the lowest part of the building, Dustin and Dave went to the chapel, which is the highest part that you can get to now. And there is a point where Barry and Brian do meet up with them. So, uh, Dave and Dustin are in the chapel, and at one point, their sound guy is like, dude, I just got pushed. And so they're already having, like, just activity right off the bat, supposedly, because you don't know how long they've been filming up until this point, because, you know, they only, like, put in the interesting bits in the episode. Um, but their sound tech guy uh, says that he felt like he was pushed, and it was either right before or right after he the, the sound guy said that they we're talking about like this really sudden change of smell and temperature in the chapel. Like they walked in and it's the windows are kind of like open, you know, like I think there is stained glass in some of them, but there are other portions, you know, where it's just like open to the elements. Cause there's like bats in there and stuff. Um, it's really funny. They're like sitting in the corner and there's like bats flying around and Dustin hates bats. <laughs> and so he's just like not having a good time already. I can imagine um, just you're like, I'm going to go hide in this corner and hear, I'm like, all right, so, um, guys, today's not my day. I mean, today really isn't Dustin's day, but, um, so it was either right after or right before they're, like, talking about, you know, Dave's like, oh, my God, like, it just got really cold. Like, did you get really cold or is it just me? And, like, he's kind of, like, moving around and he's like, no, 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 like, it's warmer here and then it's really cold here. And then Dustin's like, what? And he, like, goes over there. Um. They talk in bro talk a lot in the earlier seasons. It's like, oh, dude, or oh, bro, or oh, man, you know, kind of gets on my nerves, but whatever. Um, and then they're, like, kind of describing this really stale, rubbery smell. They're not yeah. describing the the sulfury kind of nasty smell, but it is significantly different from when they walked into the room. And you know how, like, when you walk into a space and you notice the way it smells, and then it's like you become nose blind to it? Mm-hmm. Until something drastically changes and then you're like, oh. And so to me, like, always the change of smell is really significant to me. Because I have a really sensitive sense of smell. And so, like, I can, I notice the way a place smells or the way something smells constantly. So, like, I can notice just about any change. Like, I can smell the dog use the bathroom from, like, a bedroom. And he can use it out here. So, like... That's always really significant to me. Um, and then while they're, like, discussing this and they're talking about the sound guy who got pushed and they're like, oh, my God, and it's really active. And then there's, like, bats flying around. They kind of just kind of get really silent. And then Dave's like, all right, dude, I just saw something really weird. And Dustin's like, well, what was it? And he was like, I didn't want to say anything, but I keep seeing this, like, flash of light. And Dustin's like, yeah, I saw something like that, too. And it kind of was green. And Dave was like, but this was really weird. It looked like a face. And Dustin's like, are you sure? And Dave's like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, it was a light, but it was a face, too. 
And Dustin's like, okay, because I saw it, but I wasn't going to say anything, but then I saw it again. And then that's when you said you saw it. And so they're talking about this, like, weird flash of light. It had, like, a green tint to it, but it was a face. And then, um, so they kind of, you know, kind of corroborate that experience with each other. But then Barry and Brian join them in the chapel. And Dave and Dustin are kind of, like, giving them a lowdown. Like, hey, this guy was pushed, and, like, we smelled this smell, but now we don't smell it. And then, like... Brian sees a flash of light and he's just like, okay. And then it happens again. And he's like, okay, I just saw a flash of light. And then Dave and Dustin are like, what did it look like? And he didn't mention anything about green, but he was just like, it looked like a face, dude. Like, I'm not joking. And I didn't want to say anything the first time because I didn't believe what I saw, but then it happened again. And then Dustin and Dave were like, that's exactly what happened to us. Like we saw it once. And then like, we saw it again. And, like, we couldn't, like, it was just so weird. And then, and then Dave's like, well, what did it look like? And so Brian's like, well, it was, like, a really round face. And it had, like, a hood on. And it had a beard and everything. And Dustin's like, yes! And so Barry didn't see it or he didn't really comment on it in the episode that you can see. Um, but the three of them were very excited about this. Um, and... And I know that that, like, claim seems really weird, but... There, that type of phenomenon is rare, but it does happen. Um, in another episode of Ghost Hunters, uh, that same type of phenomenon actually happened to Grant. I don't remember if it's before or after. I think it was after this episode because they were, like, revisiting, like, an old fort that they investigated. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fort had, like, opened up new areas for them to investigate. And he had gone into an area by himself and he had a face, like, flash in front of him but it was like close to his face like scarily close to his face and um he perceived it as threatening and like grant and jason have just had so many paranormal experiences and they started taps to kind of help other people learn about it and take control of their homes and it was really started to help other families um mm -hmm. so it takes a lot to get them like scared so trying to just imagine it's like someone saw the face. It's like nah, and then someone's like, "Bro, I just saw a face." I'm like, oh, "Crap, I'm not gonna tell." Yeah, it's like crap. Well, now I know what I saw was somewhat real, um, and and so Grant like left that space and came out and was like visibly shaken and was like, "I just had the weirdest thing happen to me," um, and so this type of phenomena is most commonly reported in like mirrors or pictures or windows and it's not like oh i saw a person standing in the window it's like i saw a face in the window and nothing else or there is a face that appeared in this picture and nothing else or there's that phenomenon where you're standing in a mirror you're looking in a mirror and then you just see a face behind you but there's like nothing else like there's no body there's mm -hmm. no nothing and so it's rare but it does happen it's just not commonly reported as you know like Usually it's seen through another um, medium, you know, like a mirror or a window or a picture. Well, it's happened to the people in Ghost Hunters not once but twice. At least twice. I'm sure it's happened in other episodes. I just, it's been so long since I've seen all of them and I'm working on it. Because I'm rewatching them all. Um, 
But anyways, after that, Barry and Brian leave the chapel and leave Dustin and Dave uh, to continue the EVP session that they had started. And at some point, Dustin begins to feel really sick. Um, so they kind of began lightly provoking. And they weren't, like, being super mean, but they were kind of like, are you the one making Dustin sick? Like, come out and face us. Like, don't just, like, mess with us like this. You know, what are you, a wuss? And, like, yes, that's provoking, but that's not, like, calling them a coward and being, like, very rude to them. That's that's light provoking, and and sometimes the members of TAPS will resort to that if they're not getting any activity, but it's very rare. They're not pulling a full Zach Bagans and, you know, going in and, like, cussing and, like, calling them, like, you know, punks and cowards and, you know, making it, trying to make them prove themselves. No, they were just kind of being like, why are you making me sick? Like, come out and face me. Um... And then suddenly Dustin was pushed to the ground and he almost took Dave down with him because he like reached out to Dave to like steady himself, but then was just like shoved to the ground. And I mean, you hear him in the video, he hits the ground hard. And then Dave is immediately like, dude, what the F just happened? Like what's going on? And there's like bleeps. Cause you know, like Dustin cussed when he fell. <laughs> um, and, but then like the camera guy goes over and you just see him like clutching his shoulder, but he's like laid out on the floor of the chapel and is like breathing heavy and like can barely get a word out. And when he does speak, he's like, his voice is shaking. And Dustin is like such a chill dude. Like he is that early 2000s spiked up t-shirt, kind of baggy pants but not so baggy that they sag they're just like he's very tiny mm -hmm. he's very cal you know californian just chill dude and he's been around all this other crazy stuff that's happened and he's just like he'll get excited but like his excited is still really super chill so for him to be like shaking and like terrified i mean it was i remember watching this episode for the first time when i was in high school and i was just like my poor baby because, like, at the time, you know, he's just, like, this tiny, like, California dude, which he was married at the time and just had a kid. But, like, you know, he was young and, you know, this was only, like, season three. And I'm like, oh, no, something attacked my, like, baby Justin or Dustin. And, um, anyways, so <sighs> he and then, like, so you see him laying on the floor and he's clutching his shoulder and Dave's, like, can you get up? Like, are you okay? And he's like, I can't breathe. Like, I feel like my, there's something sitting on my chest. Like my chest is heavy. Um, but it, Dave finally gets him up. It takes several minutes for him to like get Dustin up off the ground and then outside and they go down the stairs and they pass Brian, Barry, Jason and Grant. And they're like, Hey, what's going on? And Dustin just like walks right past him. He's like, I can't talk to you. And Dave's like, dude, he dudes, he just got hit pretty bad. Like it was bad. And they're all like, what? what? And they follow him outside and Dustin has to like go outside and like bend over and like breathe and kind of gather himself. And so then uh, he was finally able to uh, explain what happened. And so he says that it felt as if something had passed through his shoulder very forcefully. It wasn't like someone shoved him. It was like something went through his shoulder, but very forcefully. And then it pushed him to the, that pushed him to the ground and then was sitting on his chest. Um, and both Dave and Dustin noted that there was the stale rubber smell again. Like it had dissipated, but then it like, they smelled it again very strong while that was happening. Um, so they, they noticed it just before the attack and then that happened and then it was present until they left. 
Uh, so then, of course, Jason and Grant are like, what the F? So then they, like, rush into the chapel. Um, so while in the chapel, Grant decides to go down into the oubliette himself. Mostly because he's the more slender of the two of them. And so he's like, I can fit. Jason cannot. And neither could Barry. Because Barry ends up going with them. Because Barry is kind of very protective. Um, and, but he's also very in tune with, like, the atmosphere. And his investigation style is just very... I mean, he's an Irishman. He's very superstitious. But a lot of his, you know, investigation techniques and styles are very, uh, um, like, feeling-based. And they're very respectful. But he's also very protective of other members of his team and the spirits. Like, if he feels like a spirit is being attacked by another spirit, because that has happened, he'll try to mediate and, like, kind of get between the two. And he's just, he's a pure soul. I love him. Um... So, Grant goes down into the oubliette while Jason kind of stands guard in the chapel. And then Barry is outside of the chapel, kind of like, I think he's at the foot of the stairs in the hallway, kind of where they set up, like, their central command. um, Which is just where they have, like, the DVR cameras and stuff all hooked up to, where they can monitor some things in real time. Uh, So... At one point, Jason heard what sounded like running around him in the chapel mm-hmm. um, by one of the stairwell, by one of the stairwells, um, and Barry could hear it too. Well, I don't know if Barry heard it, but Jason was like, "Barry, do you hear this?" And Barry's like, "Well, I hear something." So Jason, why don't you step away from the oubliette and let whatever is down there with Grant kind of come out? Because maybe they'll feel more comfortable if you know, or maybe they're just used to attacking people when they're alone or whatever. And so Jason steps away from Grant um, and kind of moves out. He doesn't leave the chapel, but he kind of like goes out into the stairwell. Um, And then Barry begins to hear really, really loud footsteps kind of like rushing up the stairwell that he was beside. And then like other sounds and, uh, And I think that he was, like, noting, like, different changes in pressure and stuff again. And so he was scared that something was going to happen to Grant, who was in the oubliette. And so he rushes up the stairs and, like, goes over to the oubliette and, like, sticks his face down there and is like, Grant, are you okay? Because I guess at one point Grant stopped responding to his walkie Mm -hmm. and, like, Barry was like, oh, my God, is he not responding? And Jason's like, no, but, I mean, this entire place is built out of stone, like... Maybe something's, like, interfering, or maybe he turned it off because, like, he thought whatever was down there was, like, not liking the walkie. Like, it could have been a million things. But Barry's like, no, F this. And so he runs up the stairs and, like, goes to the oubliette and starts talking to Grant. And Grant just, like, pokes his head up and he's like, what is going on out there? Because apparently when he was in the oubliette, he didn't hear anything. He didn't hear any questions being asked to him on the walkie, um, which may or may not be paranormal. Because it's a walkie-talkie. So, like, he could have just, like, there could have just been some natural interference from the stone. Um, But he didn't hear any questions asked to him on the walkie at a certain point. He didn't hear any noises or nothing. He was just dead quiet. But they're hearing all of this other stuff happening in the chapel. Um, So, you know, Barry, being Barry, uh, just freaks out and runs up there. And Grant's just like, whoa, what's going on? Um, So... The entire Ghost Hunters episode kind of focuses on everything going on in the chapel. Because that's that was their most active spot. There is some uh, footage of them in the priest's house and in, in the 
in the old access and stuff, but most of the episode happens in the bloody chapel. Um, but that's the majority of what happens. What happened there, and then the biggest report from the bloody chapel, of course, is just people seeing the priest. Mm-hmm. Or who they assume is the priest. Because, like, a lot of people who've described seeing the priest, they say he has a hood on. And I'm like, that sounds more like a monk to me. But whatever, I don't know what Irish priests were back in the whatever hundreds. So, okay. So now we're going (laughs) to... Yeah, who knows? There's literally no way to know. Uh, According, or if I'm going to say it like Amanda says it from Wine and Crime. Um, So now we're going to talk about the priest's house. The priest's house is, like I said before, it's mostly just an empty shell. Um, After the after it was set on fire uh the reports in this building are mainly just shadow figures roaming through the remains of the building however we do have some reports from mildred's journal that describe some of the apparition apparitions apparitions seen in the priest's house um there uh so she stated that there is something heavy that lies on people's beds um and snores yeah. and um it pops up to my bed and starts snoring <laughs> yeah because it was a separate building and so like i guess it was used as their guest house at one point mm-hmm. um and she said that there's this thing that lies down on people's beds it snores and they feel the weight of like a great body pressing against them and apparently this was in a specific room in the priest's house but like there's no like walls or anything left, so we don't even know what the blue, what the original layout of the building was. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also uh, reports in her journal of a burly man in rough clothes, uh, like a peasant. Uh, he always pushes a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the wing uh, near the servants' bedrooms, and when just at the top, the barrel rolls down and disappears. So this is a, uh, what is it? Who is it that pushes the rock up the mountain in Greek mythology? Oof. It's not Atlas, uh, is it? Yeah, and then it's not the guy who gave fire to man. Because he gets his liver pecked out, doesn't he? Yep. Back to the thing called. Back to Google. I'm, my head hurts so much, guys. Is this Fitz? Sisyphus? Uh, yeah, he was punished in the underworld by Zeus. Um, yeah, so there's some some Greek mythology vibes here. Because uh, apparently this peasant dude is pushing a barrel up the staircase and then he gets to the top and then it rolls down and the barrel disappears, whatever. Um, and then there's also uh, All some... All that hard ghost work. I know, for it'd be, nothing. It'd be even weirder if, like, it disappeared and he didn't. I can just imagine him, like, standing on the stairs, like, F my, like, F my. It's just, like, you just, uh, it'd be worse, like, you just see him just pull, like, push all the way up there, and, like, he doesn't, like, turn or anything. He gets up there and just falls down, you see him just stop, and, like, turn and look down, and then he goes back, and he just looks back, and then all of a sudden he disappears. I'm like, that would have been, I'd be like, that would have been, like, mood. Yep. A whole mood. I feel you, dude. <laughs> Um, and then there is a report of a monk with a, uh, tonsure and cowl. Um, a cowl is, like, a head covering, and then I believe a tonsure is, um, I think it's one of the things that they wear as well. Um, but he apparently walks in 
at one window and then out of another. It says window. To the wall. Hmm. Huh. I left dropped out my box. And I want to watch the proposal. Uh. You recorded it? Oh. Ask the yep. We got the finger guns. It almost went over my head, but I got the joke now. Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, so there's this monk that apparently is like I think it's I think it's talking about how like he appears at one window, like in front of the window and walks and then disappears at another window. But like he's mm-hmm. not entering and exiting through windows. Or maybe he is. I don't know. I okay. Cause like ghosts don't hover off the ground. Like, I know a lot of people, like, say that, but that is a very Hollywood type of, like, spin on ghosts. But, like, they can, but if, like, a floor or something was present when they were alive and they're, like, walking across, you know, the floor where, because it was there when they were there, but it's not now. Um, Or if they're, like, walking through a wall where there used to be a door and there's not a door now. So, like, that can happen. So, maybe that's what's going on. And, like, those windows maybe used to be doors. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, normally they don't walk through walls. So, more commonly, like, there's usually a reason for it. It's not just, like, spirits can, like, pass through the wall. Like, they can in, like, horror movies. But... Then again, this is a very, we're still very new to the paranormal field. So there's a lot of unknowns, but I don't think that ghosts can just walk through walls, but whatever. So now we're going to move into the murder hole room. And it's murder hole, like a hole in the ground. But I also read things about it being called the muckle hole room. We will never call it that. And this is one of the terms that I was, like, trying to translate in Irish because I was, like, I have never heard, like, I've never come across this word before. And when I translated it into English, it comes through as, like, muckle. But, like, I couldn't really find a definition of the word muckle in English that, like, made sense in the context of, like, um what's going on here um because like in english we would use that or like in old english it would be used as like a large amount of things Mm -hmm. but like and and it's specifically a large amount of things it's not like a large room it's like i have a muckle of apples it's specifically related to a number or a count of things. And so, like, I don't know what it means in in conjunction with the muckle whole room. So, like, I don't know if it's, like, referring to a room where there was a lot of holes. <laughs> like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. So that was one of those things that, like, I'm sure just got lost in translation or mm-hmm. in means something else in in Irish or Old Irish Gaelic that I just would not know 
yeah. having yeah having learned the bits and pieces that I've learned from my grandparents and then what I've taught myself from like reading and stuff like that. Okay. Um so various experiences have been reported in this room both in the time of the Darby's residency and after. So that there's like a space where they assume this room was, but we don't actually like it doesn't exist anymore, but because of her writings, they assume it's in a specific place and then there are like reports of things in that like place where they assume that this room was. Um, so the two possibilities of where they think the room was located, uh, one is, uh, so it's either in one of the north or the south wings, uh, so they use the terms blue and red rooms, respectively, so, like, uh, north would be blue and then south would be red. Um, one argument for the south wing is that the south side of the tower, the original entrance, features, um, immaculation. Uh, so theoretically a murder hole in the traditional sense may have been situated in that area of the castle, which is like guarding the entrance. So it's like the entryway to the castle. And that actually is a very good argument because there are a number of like really old castles where they have like a defense place and it's literally called a murder hole like or a death hole and it's kind of like an oubliette where you just like open a piece of the floor and they like fall in but it's not inside the castle it's on the outside so that's a really good argument um oh why did i write this weird building so um, so it's assumed that there was a structure kind of, like, outside the entrance where this murder hole would have been. Um, but with the building of the two gothic wings would have forced them to remove that outside structure. Um, so they, you know, are like, it could have been here, um, because there would have been this type of structure here because that's really common with castles built in that era, whatever. And then the other option would be um, the murder hole room could have been situated on the blue wing, um, which would be the northern wing, which would be looking... Um, okay, so looking at the layout of the castle, the northern rooms are under the oubliette located on the next floor up. So I told you that the, like, oubliette was found in the chapel. Mm -hmm. So, like, the drop was eight feet. And so the bottom of the oubliette wasn't, like, in the ground. It kind of was, like, in the middle. So, like, it, it's not, like, a hole in the ground that they were. It was just, like, a secret dungeon that was built into the castle. Mm -hmm. But there, it's very possible that there was another entrance that's that was part of a building that, or a part of the structure that's just not there. But they found an entrance in the chapel, which is on like the second or third floor. So the northern rooms would have been underneath the oubliette. So you could have had the chapel on the third or fourth floor with an eight foot drop, which would take you to the second floor. And then 
the first floor would be underneath the oubliette. Um, so the oubliette could have quite easily been referred to. So some people are saying that like the oubliette is the murder hole essentially is what that is. And that also ties into the spirit of the murdered, you know, priest and all that stuff. So what you... oh, it's like, it's like, just, just, just don't worry about it. Okay. He was making some weird gesture with his hands. It was so, like, it was some wink. Yeah. yeah. It was some wink. Okay. So people think, <laughs> so people think that the murder hole room or the muckle hole room was either uh, like a, a room or a hole in the ground that would have been outside the castle, part of a structure that would serve as like the entrance, um, which would have been on the south side of the castle. Or it could have been a different entrance to the oubliette, um, which would have been in the northern part of the castle, which is the blue wing. Um so in Mildred's journal, she gives the following account of her, it's either her experience or like a guest's experience that was relayed to her that she then wrote down. Um, she also wrote an article um, for a work called Kilman Castle, The House of Horror. Um I, I don't actually know if that was, like, a pamphlet, you know, or, like, a book or something. But it said article, but it's not a newspaper. <laughs> so, I think she just, like, wrote this account and then gave it to someone else to publish. Um, Like I said, the information for this place was, like, all over the place. <laughs> so, you trying. The, you did the best you could with what you had. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, piecing stuff together. Um, and I pulled this off the website because the article that, the piece of this that was published, um, are you okay? Yeah, I need to stand up. Oh, okay. That was it. Like, I was just, like, getting tired of sitting down. Okay. Um, the place in which this was published with some of her other works was uh, also written in a very broken sort of like half Irish, half English type thing. Um, so I pulled what I'm about to read straight from Luck Castle's website. Um, she says that I put my hand out of bed, snapping my fingers to call her Nell, which is uh, a, a dog, it's a terrier. Um, but my hand was suddenly in the grasp of another hand, a soft, cool hand at a temperature perceptibly below my own flesh. So it was colder than her own hand. Mm -hmm. To say I was astonished would but mildly convey my feelings. After a few seconds of steady pressure on the other hand, or after a few seconds of steady pressure, the other hand let go, and almost simultaneously I heard a heavy sliding fall, like the collapse of a large body at the foot of the bed. Then, an then in the absolute stillness of the room, there sounded a deep human groan and some half-articulated words, or to be accurate, prayers. People have complained before, in fact. We don't generally put anyone there now. The room is called the Muckle or Murder Hole Room, and the story goes that the stain on the floor is the blood of a man stabbed there by his brother. Uh. 
there we go. Which which could mean the chapel, but like it's not the chapel. And I'm like, so yeah, anyways. Um two oak carols quarreled over the ownership of the castle. The room had been dis- disused for fifty years or more when we did it up. The stain has been uh planed off the board several times, which plain just means like it's been like cleaned and and like their version of bleached and stuff off the floors mm-hmm. several times, but it always comes up again and creeps up from below in just a few hours. Ew. So there are actually many accounts of like brothers feuding uh within the castle. It's just the most dramatic death was that of the priest. And so but a lot of the accounts are, you know, they could be legend or they're they can't just they can't be proven or substantiated. Mm-hmm. So there definitely was other bloodshed in this castle besides just that priest. Of course. Of course. But I mean they had a flippin' oubliette for crying out loud. But there was a lot of turmoil within the O'Carroll clan itself, so it's not kind of hard to believe that another two set of brothers were arguing over who was going to inherit the clan. Um, and then one of them killed the other because they were known for killing whoever it took to, you know, get what, get what they wanted. Um, so something took her hand and then let it go and then fell to the floor <laughs> and was praying. So you can believe that if you want, but uh, I just uh, thought it was interesting because in the two sites that they believe could be this murder Holt room, there are several claims. And most of them are just, you know, sightings of monks because one of the places they think that this could have been would have been outside the castle. And they do see uh, apparitions in the southern area outside the castle. And there are several reports of groans and and whispers and footsteps around the oubliette. So, um, it was it was interesting. It's one of the mo- It's one of the more active places, no matter which area you think it is. Um. So now we're gonna talk about the Red Lady. Now, during the tour for the Ghost Hunters episode, Barry stated that. The Red Lady, or a lady in a red dress, is often seen atop the main staircase inside the castle. But it seemed like people would notice that it was the elemental, and then would watch it change into the Red Lady. Um, That's the only report like that that I came across, was just him stating that in the episode. Once again, I would like to point out that elementals do not change shape. Especially into people. Demonic spirits can do that. Um, Because that's where you get like doppelgangers and stuff like that. Because doppelgangers are negative entities. Because they're trying to like confuse somebody or take over the place of a person that's living. Kind of like the fairy changelings. Um, But for fully grown humans and not just babies and elderly people. Um... So, and, and if, and if people are seeing this, you know, this elemental change into the lady in the red dress, what's, who's to say that, because it's actually reported that there are anywhere between 19 to 20 human spirits in this castle, but I'm only talking about the, like, main ones that are mostly reported, 
But I'm like, okay, if you've seen this elemental change, supposedly change into this lady in a red dress, why can't it change into any of the other spirits? So, like, how do you know that any of these other spirits are really there and it's not just all of the elemental? Asking a tough question. Exactly. So I'm kind of like, I know I just said I really wanted to, like, go see this castle, but that was before I did all this really in-depth research. And I'm kind of glad I just looked at it from the road. (laughs) So drove by it. Um, but the red lady uh, was encountered during the time of the Darbys as well. She was not just encountered by Mildred and her husband, but also several guests. Um, she has been described as a very tall woman clothed in a red dress. She's been seen carrying a dagger in her hand and... It's, like, raised in a menacing manner. So, like, she's walking around, not just, like, holding it. She's, like, got it up, ready to, like, stab somebody. Um, She's also reported to be seen with, like, this really strange luminescence, is what Mildred said, uh, radiating from within her. So, I guess, like, she's got, like, this aura of light that does seem to be coming from within her and not just, like, around her. Um, but people have reported encountering, uh, or people that have encountered this spirit have commented on, like, an immense cold feeling, um, and it doesn't just, like, you know, feel cold to, like, them, it, like, permeates their, their entire body and, like, literally freezes them to the core, but it also free, like, the whole room becomes cold it's not just a cold spot like the entire room changes temperature and like you can walk out into the hallway or into a different room and there's like a significant change um and we're going back to dramatics uh one of the written accounts in mildred's uh journal was that you know people report this immense cold filling the room and permeating into their heart so extra <laughs> hashtag dramatic much um it is thought that the woman was captured by an O'Carroll and uh, subsequently raped the baby born as a result was then killed by the O'Carroll reasoning that they could not afford to feed the child distraught the woman then killed herself with the same blade that i guess this person killed the or that per- her whoever raped her killed the baby with um also a little dramatic we have no proof of that it is legend but there is a lot of holes in Lepcastle's history because things have been burnt and destroyed and i can't really say that the o'carrolls would want a lot of their deeds written down nope and known to the world um anybody would know Either long gone or their part. Well, they would still be long gone. Or part of the, you know, the three truckloads of bones. bones. <laughs> oh, you knew something? Gotta go. Yep. Okay, so there was um, like a newspaper or like a magazine kind of in the 1850s. Because uh, that was like the rise of like spiritualism and the occult. And so one of the guests that had stayed in the house during the time that Mildred Darby lived there submitted their account to the occult review. So they didn't tell Mildred about this and this wasn't pulled from her journals or anything that she published. This was pulled from a third party magazine or newspaper or whatever. 
um, that was submitted by somebody who stayed at Love Castle. Um, and so this person wrote, on the 31st of October, I went to my bedroom at about 11 p.m. During the night, the time was 12.45 a.m., as I sub subsequently saw by my watch, <laughs> they're just being very detailed, I felt that I was awakened by somebody in my room. It was pitch dark, and at first I could see nothing. I was wide awake with an extraordinary cold feeling at my heart that rapidly increased in intensity. Almost immediately I felt, as much as I saw, that there was a tall figure in the middle of the room. So essentially, they could feel that someone was there, but they also saw it. My first impression was that O'Connell himself was there. I don't know who O'Connell is. Um, my first impression was that O'Connell himself was there, as no other member of the household would correspond to the height. What is it? I asked. There was no answer, but now I could see, dimly at first, and with increasing distinctness, that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red, and with its right hand raised menacingly in the air. To my utter astonishment, I could see that the light which illuminated the figure was from within having very much the effect of the dark lantern used in a photographer's room. As the, figure as the figure advanced towards me, the light increased, and I could see distinctly that the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of weapon, a knife or a dagger in her hand. What is it? I asked again, adding, who is it? And then hurriedly struck a match and lit my candle. As the flame of the matching candle illuminated the room, I looked all around. The room was empty. Note that the name O'Connell was used by the author of the letter, obviously to preserve the anonymity of the castle with Mildred Darby's wishes, which I don't know why they would, like, put that in there, but they're like, okay, so we're naming this random person O'Connell because we don't want whoever they thought it was to get backlash or people to know who it really was, who they thought it was or whatever. Um, so also in um, that article that Mildred wrote for Kilman Castle, The House of Horror, she said that there is a tall, dark woman in the historic, in the historic scarlet silk dress that rustles. She haunts the blue room, which always used to be the nursery, and sobs at the foot of the children's beds. So I think that's why they think that something happened to her child, but I feel like they're making some pretty big leaps at Leap Castle. Mm -hmm. Trying to connect some dots there. Yeah, you got um, to when you ain't got all the dots The facts, together. yeah. But, so essentially they see this really tall woman. She's got dark hair. She's in a red dress. She's holding a dagger. And she cries at the foot of baby's beds. So, kind of creepy. I would be freaked out if she, like, appeared above. Or, like, at the foot of my bed and was coming at me with a knife. Um, yeah. So there's, that's... Her. I don't really like her. Okay, so the last two spirits that we're going to talk about are Emily and Charlotte. They are two young girls uh, who they've been commonly seen at Love Castle. I mean, they're constantly reported here. Um, they're mainly seen playing in the main hall and then running up the main stairwell. Because there are a few smaller stairwells that would lead up, you know, like one is like a servant's stairwell. And then there's two that lead to the chapel. And then there's one that would have led um, up to one of the little wings that was destroyed. Um, so Emily and Charlotte are believed to have lived at the castle during the 1600s. 
Um, there's no written confirmation that I could find that they lived here other than word of mouth and a few documents saying that, like, there were some young girls that were born in the area, which I think is where they get these names from, but then again, I could be wrong. Um, so according to the information that's on Lepcastle's website, uh, Emily died at age 11 after falling from the castle's southeastern battlements. So that's a section of the castle that's just not there anymore. Uh, people outside the castle have reported seeing a girl falling off the castle roof and disappearing before hitting the ground. Now, if they think that she fell off of one of the battlements that isn't there anymore, I really don't think her residual replay of her death would be falling off the roof of the castle. Unless she's an intelligent haunt and she's being extremely dramatic. Trying to freak out people who can see her. Oh, okay. Um, so then Charlotte has been seen with a deformed leg that drags backwards behind her. Um, I also saw in some places that Emily and Charlotte were sisters and that Emily died and then, like, Charlotte, because there's this whole theory that, like, ghosts can kind of, like, decide what age they want to return at and where they want to reappear at, so it's like... If this person dies and they were really attached to their childhood home, they could return to haunt the home that they grew up in, but they didn't die there. But they might appear as a child, even though they live to be 80. So there's this whole theory that, like, ghosts can choose whether or not to, you know, appear. They can just choose what age they appear at, I guess. Um... And so there were some articles that I read where people believed that Charlotte would then, or Charlotte then started appearing at the castle because that's where her sister was. Mm -hmm. And her sister died when she was 11 or, you know, at the age of 11. So she appeared at whatever age her sister or she would have been when her sister died. Um, and I didn't really see any, anything else kind of talk about. Charlotte having a deformity, but it doesn't really matter. Um, Charlotte, okay, so she's been kind of just seen with that deformed leg mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, Mildred Darby has also seen a young girl at Lep Castle, um, and she wrote the following encounter in her journal. Another night I was sleeping with my little girl. I awoke and saw a girl with long, fair hair standing at the fireplace, one hand at her side, the other on the chimney piece. Thinking at first it was my little girl, I felt on the pillow to see if she, was, if she were gone, but she was there and fast asleep. There was no fire or any light of any kind in the room. Um, so essentially she woke up and saw this, this little girl standing in the fireplace, but there was like no light anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how she could, like, see this little girl, but whatever. There was no mention of these two spirits in the Ghost Hunters episode that I watched. Um, they were only mentioned in Wikipedia and uh, on the castle's official website. And then <laughs> they were, like, slightly mentioned in some of the other articles. But in some of the other articles, they're, like, one of the main things that's reported. And so they just kind of see these two little girls kind of running around the grounds. Um mainly around the main part of the castle and then of course they report seeing emily falling off the roof of the castle um and then 
they're seen kind of like running up and down the stairwell Mm -hmm. in the main part of the castle kind of just playing um and so that and the owner of the castle now uh, mr ryan he says that he doesn't feel threatened by any of the spirits that are there except for the elemental but only if somebody like pisses it off um and so I think he kind of enjoys these two little girl spirits if they really are there. They're just kind of like having a good time and running around and playing. Um, but they, but if you look up, you know, the ghosts at Lep Castle, like they're always reported. It's just, there's not a lot of like sight, like individual sightings that are talked about. It's just like, oh, they have these two spirit girls here that run up and down the stairwell. And I'm like, okay, but can we like, do we have documents that there were two girls that lived here? Or not, but the official website says they're there, so I guess they're there. Uh, but, uh. Then what's on the field left now? <laughs> yeah, but that's all I have for Lep Castle. I mean, it's a very interesting place. I wanted to visit it until I started reading about all of the uh, spirits that are there. Then she changed her mind. Then I changed my mind. You know, and if it was just the spirits, it'd be fine. But with that elemental slash demonic thing, I'm like, "Mm." I don't think I trust that all of these spirits are really like spirits. Like, I feel like they could be that elemental now. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to go there now. So, do you have anything for DQ's corner? Well. Other than the fact, just don't go. (laughs) No, because it's like, so, 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 not going with Jordan there. Um, I don't really know. If if I'm there and I was like, oh, the ghost starts, you know, changing into other, I mean, the spirit starts changing into other spirits. I'm like, oh, I bet that's the kind of game we're playing. Well, I'm going to play this game and go home. I'm going to play the <laughs> leave game. But then knowing my luck, knowing my luck, I'm like, hey, bro, we got to go. And then all of a sudden it's just like. He turns back at the camera awkwardly, smiles, and he goes back into the elemental. I'm like, well, and then say that's when you hit the to be continued on the screen. Mm-hmm. The scary movie that we watched last night, that 100% happened in the movie where like the spirit that was in the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was technically a witch. It was the spirit of a witch, supposedly, but like. She would she would appear as one of the kids that were trapped in the house mm-hmm. and like would lure them away like one by one by appearing as someone else or something else. And I'm just like, I don't like that. Like, I can't trust you. You know, mm-hmm. like even if it's not a demonic or like malicious spirit, it's just a spirit that you know, doesn't have any ill intent, but is just kind of, like, existing there. Um, I don't, I can't trust you. Like, if you can't stay in one form, you know, like, I can't, I don't, like, if you're gonna make me, like, think there's three spirits in the house, and really it's just one. Call it Ghostbusters. Yeah, we're, we're just, you're gonna have to go. We can't, we can't peacefully coexist in this house, bro. It's not happening. It's like, it's like, it's like, I only got enough. I only got enough to feed one spirit mouth, and you're not three. It's almost midnight. <laughs> oh, trust me. I, I, I've looked at that clock like multiple times. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I kept you looking. I'm like, God, okay. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, all right. I'm gonna get this amount of sleep, and I look back. I'm gonna get this amount of sleep. And I look back. I'm like, I was trying to hurry. It's it's all good. And I was like, I, was like, I had like twelve pages of notes. 
Oh my. Yeah. Well, it was six, and then I made it double spaced so it'd be easier for me to read. This only happened because instead of getting here at three, like the original plan, I ended up here like, like what, like four, like five? It was four. like 530. And yeah. Then, and then I had to like download a program onto his laptop and then we make sure that his, because uh, last time we recorded with the new mics that I got, his mic worked and it picked him up, but he like couldn't hear me through his speakers. So then like I worked on his laptop for a little bit and then we were like, mm, we're kind of hungry. So then we went and got food and then we watched the first Harry Potter. It needed to happen. Yep. So it's very late now. Yep. It's okay. I'm like sitting there. It's like, I'll be fine. It's like, I'm going to drive back to Longview and I'm going straight to bed. Yeah. I ain't cutting on no game. I'm going like, all right, it's time to. You know, my mom never did call me to tell me she was leaving. Mm-hmm. Allison's like, three missed calls from mother. No, it doesn't. I just, uh, Killer just woke up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably mad because it's past his bedtime. Caitlin's probably already asleep, though. You know, Killer's been off and on waking up. I look and he'll, like, wake up and then like, he'll move around so he gets comfortable again. And he'll sit down. You know, like, that's the main reason I stood up while ago. I was like, I said, am I getting tired? So I stood up mm-hmm. and, like, walk, like, moved around. I was like, nah, okay, now we're good. Right, uh, so well, George just popped her neck. So, um, guys, if I disappear, you know what happened? Oh my god! No, I fell in the flipping shower, and like my whole back and neck and head hurt. And I feel like I need to stretch. And then sometimes stretching it, like my neck pops. That's fine. It's cool. It's normal. My chiropractor said it's fine. Um. So yeah, DQ's advice for DQ's corner is uh to just not go. It's always going to be do not go. Oh, my gosh. In that movie we watched last night, mm-hmm. one of the guys, and one of the kids in the movie was, I mean, he's the only kid, he's the only black guy that's in this group of white friends, and he has got the right idea. He was, like, trying to burn that place to the ground, <laughs> and everybody else was like, no, don't do that. Like, if you do that, we're all going to die because we're stuck in here, and he's like, but it would be over, wouldn't it? feel like that was like the first thing I've ever said was burning down to the ground. <laughs> I made them pause it and I was like, guys, I don't know if y'all remember, but that has been DQ's advice for pretty much everything I've thrown at him thus far mm-hmm. is burn it to the ground and he's going to be happy that this one kid agrees. Mm-hmm. I mean, he died, but... Because they didn't burn to the ground. See, like, it's a full- And I was so mad. I was like, he's going to be the only one to survive. And he didn't survive. And I was very upset. But I just thought it was so funny. Because from the very beginning, when things, like, started to happen, he believed, like, the girl that was experiencing stuff. And he was like, guys, let's not mess around. Like, it's not, a, it's not funny anymore. Like, she saw something. Or, like, what did you see? Like, describe it to me. But I think he died because in the beginning he, like, saw a picture and, like, it scared him. And they were like, what'd you see? And he was like, they looked like freaks. And so I feel like he pissed off whatever was in the house. And I'm like, oh, man, that's where you went wrong. But, like, through the rest of it, he's, like, trying to just get everybody out of the house and just be like, let's be smart about this. (laughs) Let's just burn it to the ground. And all the white kids are like, no, we don't want to die. And he's like... Half of us are already dead. I am literally dying. It looks like I have radiation poisoning. And there's this one line where he's like, 
this house is haunted and not like Scooby freaking do, man. Like, <laughs> this house is really fucking haunted and we gotta burn it to the ground. And then there's this one part where, like, one of the guys is, like, trying to go back and, like, save his friend or, like, get his friend out. And dude's like, just leave him. He's, like, just leave him. We've gotta go. And then little, uh, little white dude's like, no, I can't leave him. And he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna go. And then he, like, goes and tries to burn the house down and then the witch is like mm, we can't have that because you're smart and we know that that's that would end my shtick here um so i just i just thought that was so funny <laughs> so it's like, almost like i know what i'm talking about yeah and I, was like, I mean that's what i said at the beginning of the movie the girls kept getting mad at me because i kept predicting it <laughs> there's like this one part i was like oh man she's gonna drown and then like 30 seconds later she falls into a pond and drowns and then there's the part where, you know, uh, uh, his name was uh, Dax or something like that. Um, he's, like, trying to get everybody to burn it to the ground. And I was like, you know, he's right, but he's going to try to burn it to the ground. And then the witch is going to kill him. And then two minutes later, that's exactly what happens. And so then Maddie was like, Jordan, keep your mouth shut up there. I did get one thing about the movie wrong. And I was very surprised. And it wasn't that it surprised me. It just kind of was like... That normally doesn't happen in Western movies. Like, Western movies, there's always, like, some sort of, like, closure or a happy ending. And that is totally not what happened in this movie. It it was very, like, Eastern sort of, like, Korean horror. Where there's no closure. There's no, like, it just ends. So my bloody Valentine. Oh god, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Oh, I remember, I remember I watched it. I was like in like eighth grade, <laughs> and I just kept watching it over and over. And it got to the point where like I just convinced myself to keep watching it because I man, I gotta go to the bathroom. But I'm like terrified in the house because mm-hmm. everybody's like asleep. But I'm just like, man, something keep me in the hallway. <laughs> so I just like kept watching it and not going to the bathroom until I looked back and the sun was up. <laughs> it's daytime now. I can go. Pee. And then I went and went to the bathroom. But then, like you know, it doesn't like it's one of those movies. Like, oh, you know, oh, they figured out what it was. And also at the very end, like the dude that murdered everybody takes like the thing off because he got out. He took someone else's like one of the workers' mask, and he's like deep heaving. And then all of a sudden, he like walks and he like makes his face and he walks away in the credits roll. Mm-hmm. I'm just like the murderers are still alive. Yup, gotta love those endings. Um. Anyways, so it's 1203. Uh, DQ's got a 30-minute drive home, so we're going to end this episode. I will see you guys. Yeah, because I don't, because God, even though we're married, I don't live with Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I'm currently living with my mom to keep my mom, you know, healthy and alive. Decently sane. Yeah, and decently sane. Um, okay, so I will see you guys next week with a mini episode. And hopefully I can get DQ in on this mini episode too, because we have some very, very important ghostly questions that we need to have answered. <laughs> like yeah. some, some things were brought to our attention and I've tried to do some research, haven't really gotten anywhere. So we are going to have a discussion. Yeah. And this will be more like, definitely like, it'll be like the questions based. And we're like, oh, and then we'll just kind of like debate it, and then you know go on to the next question. But just like, it's gonna make it's gonna make more sense once you kind of like hear it. Because like yeah. there's one, 
she brought to my attention a while back and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. And then he was like, no, 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 we can't talk about it right now. Like this is a podcast question, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find a lot of research to make it into a full episode. So we're definitely gonna have to make it into a mini episode. And so that might be what you guys get next week or it might not be. I haven't decided yet, but we are going to call it a night. So we don't have an ending yet. So I'm just, I'm just going to end it. Well, we'll see the thing is we had one and then well, we thought we did, but I don't remember what it is. It's fine. It's fine. We'll make it work. All right, guys, y'all, y'all have a safe night. Be great. Don't get eaten by ghosts. <laughs> my bad spirits i mean you wouldn't get eaten by those either. I'd, I'd like to think so but i don't know at this point in my life it's 2021 anything it, is possible anything is possible mm-hmm. so just avoid ireland if we say just avoid ireland that's actually not bad advice right now you can find us on twitter at a earful capital a e we are not on Instagram as of yet, but you can find Jordan on Instagram and Twitter at perfectly underscore wild with an E and me DQ on Twitter at D-A-Q-U-I-N-T-O-N capital A N D E R S. So it's the Quentin Anders and DQ04 on Instagram. Our Facebook is a fearful earful, all one word, and you can email us your creepy stories or topic suggestions at a fearful earful pod at gmail.com if you like what you hear the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on itunes share with everyone you know and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app we're available on anchor spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts. A Fearful Earful was created by me, Jordan Anderson, with co-host DQ Anderson. All A Fearful Earful art was created by Gerilyn Anderson, my sister, and music is by One Wave, licensed through Premium Beat.